Um, welcome. Um, this, I'm Susan Post, and this is the session on um, community immersion. Um, it's not the session on um, financial planning for medical missions. Um, sorry about that. They had to make a schedule change at the last minute. So um, I'm Susan Post. I'm the director of um, Esperanza Health Center, and I live in North Philadelphia. And um, we're going to be talking about community immersion today. And um, so I live in the neighborhood that our patients live in, and that's um, primarily an African-American and Puerto Rican community. And um, I've lived there for 13 years. And so today we're just going to um, spend some time talking about um, why it might be a good idea, or I would say why it definitely is a good idea, um, to live with the people that you're serving. You don't actually have to live in their house with them, but um, it would be good to live in their world with them. And a lot of times I think people try and serve, even missionaries abroad, sometimes they try and serve and not really, they stay in their missionary world. Um, but it's really great uh, to have the opportunity to go to a community and participate in the life of the people that you're serving. Um, let me just open up us up in a quick word of prayer here. God, we, um, we just thank you for being here at this uh, conference with us. Um, thank you for your desire for us to understand you and to know your will. Thanks for your willingness to um, show yourself to us in every culture, um, no matter what our backgrounds are. Thank you for your intimacy in that, Lord. Um, I pray that you be with us, especially um, uh, students who might be listening right now. And um, just ask that you uh, would speak to their hearts, that their hearts would be open to you, and that um, if you're calling them um, to move forward in some way um, toward uh, living amongst those that they serve, that you would um, give them the courage to make those decisions and, um, and bless them, Lord, as they come to you in prayer and bless them as they think of you. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, as I said, um, when we want to do any sort of ministry to a people group, even like if you think of youth ministry, we typically want to try and engage in the context of the lives of the people we're serving. And so, um, if you're someone like me who wants to serve in um, an urban context or a context that's totally cross-cultural, um, you ha- uh, you're, you're going to have a limited view of how to do that. So, um, What's really wonderful is if you can go and live with the people that um, you want to serve. Um, if we want to do that, um, uh, living there can be very um, uh, incarnational. So it's like you're sharing your life with, with the rest of the people. And um, when a person like me does that, um, typically you think that you're, you might make some changes. You might help this community in a certain way. But what I found after all these years is that it's sort of almost the opposite. It's like God uses that circumstance to try and change us. Um, Also, um, when we go to communities, um, I think a lot of times, I think we heard this last night, we can sort of think that we know what we're doing and we have the right way. And after, again, many years in my community, I realized that my community has already figured out often what the right way to do something is. And it's uh, I'm the one that's kind of the Johnny-come-lately and figuring it out you know, later. And so um, one thing that's really helpful and important is if you can partner with people in the community, especially leaders in the community or people that uh, understand their community better than you do. And so um, that's what we're going to be doing today. I brought up my partner with me, (laughs) um, Tony Gonzalez. He's my um, co-worker. He's my uh, friend. He's my colleague. And he's my teacher. 
He also works at Esperanza Health Center in the Community Health Department. Um, I would call him um, a trusted friend, and I think um, he's invaluable to me. And I wanted to look up that word invaluable because I always get kind of confused when you say valuable or invaluable. I'm not sure which one it is because um, I don't want to say not valuable. But when I looked up invaluable, this is what I saw, and this is really cool. Um, and this is what Tony is. Um, he's indispensable, crucial, critical, key, vital, necessary, irreplaceable, and all-important. Those are pretty big words. And if we think we can try and do ministry without a person that can give you all those things, that's um, definitely a mistake. And so I, um, 13 years ago, made a decision to move into our North Philadelphia community. Tony uh, has grown up in our North Philadelphia community and has made the decision to stay. Um, We are very, very different people. We have very different histories and backgrounds. We think very differently, um, but we have one thing in common, and that's that we are following the Lord um, to serve people in our community. And so um, my story is incomplete without Tony. So that's why he's here today. Um, we can't share one or the other and get the really the bigger picture of God. So we're going to try and use this time sort of um, as a dialogue, me sharing, him sharing, um, and hopefully you sharing a little bit um, of your thoughts about what God, how God might work cross-culturally um, in um, a uh, urban context like well, we have in Philadelphia. I just want to get, we want to show you quickly um, a video of Esperanza because I want to introduce you to our neighborhood so you can see kind of the people that we live with and what our streets are like. And Tony um, actually did this um, uh, video for us several years ago. It's starting to become a little bit dated, but um, just to give you a picture of um, Esperanza, it's just a several minute video. the arm of the Lord that we build. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We esteemed him not. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? North Philadelphia. Community of neighborhoods. Diverse people, of children, parents, grandparents, and friends. A place many Latinos call home. There is great beauty here. But many in North Philadelphia are not esteemed. Many are acquainted with grief. Many are healed. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To those of us in North Philadelphia. Believing that the love of Christ heals, Esperanza Health Center was established in 1989 by a small group of healthcare professionals. Compelled by the love of Christ in their lives, these individuals hoped and prayed to see the arm of the Lord revealed here. Since that time, Many churches and individuals have come together to nurture and energize this vision. To see God's hand bring peace and hope in the name of Jesus 
to high-quality, compassionate health care. Esperanza is the Spanish word for hope. At Esperanza Health Center, we believe that Jesus Christ is the source of hope. And this is what we seek to share with our patients through the care we provide. Care that not only looks at the physical symptoms, but also at the heart. Hope to the anxious mother, concerned about her sick child. Hope for a drug addict at the end of his rope or a person alone and scared because of a new diagnosis of HIV. Whether our patients see a dentist, doctor, health educator, nutritionist, or counselor, we offer hope in caring hands and hearts as we address our patients' many needs. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Compelled by this love, we serve thousands of the people of North Philadelphia with compassionate health care. And yet, thousands more in this community are uninsured and lack access to a health care professional. Esperanza's vision is to welcome anyone in need of medical care with the excellence and dignity that Jesus would bring to them. Esperanza's vision for the future of our community is well described in Isaiah 65. I will create it to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over it and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. We picture a North Philadelphia to be rejoiced over, where anyone can receive excellent care regardless of their ability to pay. Every child can see a dentist. But all mothers get the adequate prenatal care needed to ensure their health and their child's health. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To those of us in North Philadelphia. Please consider how you might partner with Esperanza in our vision of a better future for our community. Compelled by the love of Christ, let's look for, hope for, pray for, and work towards His help to surround the people of North Philadelphia. By His wounds, we are healed. Thank you, Tony. Logically challenged at times. <laughs> um, so um, I'm going to just going to share very quickly my journey and why I think it's important for someone like me to consider um, living in North Philadelphia. Um, and then we'll hear from Tony. Um, I um, used, I've always been in healthcare, or mostly been in healthcare. Um, and before I moved to um, Philadelphia, I was uh, working in New York City as a hospital administrator, and um, I decided to go to seminary, and that took me, brought me to Philadelphia. And while I was in seminary, I 
Um, you read the Bible a lot in seminary. Um, and I uh, just started reading it uh, and getting more of a picture that God's got this special focus in his word on the poor. And while I had read that before, in the widow, the orphan, the alien, I'd read all that before, but um, I, it didn't really start to become clear to me till I was um, reading the Bible in seminary. And um, once I started realizing it, I started reading, you know, uh, the whole Bible in that way. And you just see from the Old Testament, you know, God's totally making all these rules and laws so that people that are vulnerable can eat. He, um, you know, he says, don't glean to the edges of your field. He says, um, the land is going to always belong in the family, even if people die, because the land is how you live. And there really doesn't even have to be poor people the way uh, he set up a lot of the Old Testament uh, rules. Um, so he makes provision in the, in the Bible. Um, when Jesus comes, you know, it says that, um, well, first of all, he's born in the manger. He is born poor instead of coming and being in the part of a um, nice church <laughs> like this one. And um, he, you know, he was born in a place, God decided to go to the place where the vulnerable people were. And I think that's really neat. Um, Jesus was always thinking about the poor. He um, always had his eye on the poor. He uh, was very not for the people that turned their backs on the poor. And so um, I started reading um, that, and, you know, it really made an impression on me. Um, in, the, in between my two years in um, seminary, uh, I, I had a chance to go to Nigeria, and I saw um, the church at work for a summer um, in Nigeria. And it was just amazing to me to see God at work in a different culture, because I the God I knew was just the God from the world that I had been in, and I thought the world was about as big as me, really, at that point in time. And um, when I saw um, him at work in Nigeria, most of the people that I was visiting anyway were um, very um, poor. And they were very poor in material things, but they were very rich in um, spiritual things. And I thought, wow, they need some of the United States money, and the, money, and the United States seems, needs a little bit of Nigeria's um, spirit. Um, and I just saw how big God was. And so after um, being in Nigeria, I decided I, I think I'd like to maybe experience more cr- cross-cultural things because you see a lot more of God that way. And I started um, going to a church in North Philly. Um, my prof- professor then, um, Manny Ortiz, is um, a pastor of a church down there. So I started um, uh, going to that church, and it just was a really amazing and different church experience for me as well because – Every week we were praying for our community. We were seeing God act in new ways that I hadn't really seen. We just, uh, everybody had a heart for, you know, concern for those um, that were vulnerable. Um, And so I got to see God being very personal, uh, personally caring for physical needs of people in our community. I saw him um, having a very complete care of many people, and I saw him uh, very deeply in love with um, the people in our community. Um, so I started to wonder if maybe I should move there after I finish um, seminary. But um, as soon as I had that thought, I thought that would be impossible. Um, to me, North Philadelphia was about as foreign as Nigeria. I felt like a fish out of water. I would drive to, you know, drive to church, but um, you know, I felt awkward. I didn't know exactly how to do anything there. It seemed very dirty. Um, it seemed like a lot of trash, um, it seemed dangerous in a way that I didn't really know what to do with, you know, to keep safe and that sort of thing. Um, it just didn't seem, I also didn't see anybody like me that had moved there. Um, I'm a single woman, you know, it just seemed like, I don't think that's a good fit for me. 
But as my time at seminary was coming to an end, and, you know, you start to um, wonder what you're going to do with your life, and as you still don't know and you still don't know, I don't know if any had that when you were seniors in college, but um, you start to get a little bit very fervent in your prayers, you know, God, please show me, please show me. And um, one night, um, I think it was really New Year's weekend, um, uh, and I was going to graduate in a few months. I just didn't know if I should go back to New York or stay in Philly. And um, I was reading a Robert Lupton book on, um, I think, uh, um, Return Flight, I think was the book. Anyway, I just sensed that God was calling me to move to North Philly. And um, I said, okay, but uh, I'll do that, God. But what would I do there? And I feel like my whole life has been strategically figuring out what's the next thing, what's the degree I get, what's the next degree I get, you know, how do I make myself marketable, you know, <laughs> that's just the way I live my whole life. And so I'm, to, 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 the idea of being told to do something by God that doesn't have the next total plan laid out for me was, was very unusual. But um, I also at the same time felt such great joy that God had been, you know, calling me uh, to something. So I ended up... Um, deciding to move um, to North Philadelphia. I've been there for 13 years and really have had a great amount of joy there. Um, it was five years after living there that um, God called me to Esperanza Health Center. So, you know, really the picture of what I was going to do or be wasn't clear uh, for at least five years after I moved here. But in some ways, I don't think really Esperanza Health Center is even the main calling that God has for me. He called me to North Philly because I think he was as much interested in changing me and something in my heart than he was um, anything that I could do for him in North Philly. So it sort of seems strange to me that um, when I was in New York, I knew how to do my job. I knew kind of how to maneuver around in New York. And God brings me to a place that I'm totally limited in. Um, I I didn't understand the African-American culture. I didn't understand the Puerto Rican culture. I... um, I don't speak Spanish, I'm a shy person, and there's nobody like me, and I'm like, you know, this just doesn't really make uh, sense, God, and then he put me in a, in a healthcare ministry where it's really important to understand the culture of, the, of your patients, so um, I, I see, though, that God brought me to a place of um, personal weakness, uh, where I wasn't all that, you know, I was not capable in, in many ways. Um, but he brought me to that place of personal dependency um, on him so I could see that he's the one that's doing the work and not Susan. And I wouldn't get confused about that. That I would be having to depend on him for everything that was uncomfortable. And to tell you the truth, at the beginning, everything was uncomfortable. Um, and so he had mu- as much in mind to change me. And instead of me helping my neighbors, I think he had in mind for my neighbors to be instruments of his uh, to change me. Now, I know it's not all about me, but I just think when I came in, I thought it was all about me. <laughs> so it's just neat to see uh, God uh, at work in both ways, um, changing my heart and also having a plan for changing things in the community. So that's a bit of my story, but why don't we hear Tony's? Sorry. I don't think this was built for two people to be doing can you all hear me okay all right so um let's see well um i have the pleasure of working with susan and uh she she is as she mentioned the executive director at esperanza health center um susan is someone that 
you see her very nice, but she knows how to be firm, uh, which is <laughs> which is good. But uh, no but to that. That's all good. The um, she's my boss. I don't want to get fired. No, I'm just joking. No, no. All, all jokes aside, Susan is a amazing person. She's able to be the executive director and switch to being firm and function in the in the community that way. And also, she's everyone's friend. Uh, as I see her walking down the hallway, she connects with people and. Uh, there isn't a sense of intimidation as she walks by. Um, and as she connects in the community, I've had the opportunity to, to witness her in the community and on her neighborhood. Row home neighborhood, uh, bathrooms on the second floor only, uh, one bathroom. And it's uh, you know, small, a small house type thing, and she walks by. And the joke was that Susan is the governor of the block because she just walks by and everybody knows Susan and Susan knows everybody. Not that she's a celebrity, but it's the relationship that she has with the people. She's very engaged. And it's not that she knows them by name, but there's an intimate relationship. And when relationships like that are formed, God is able to work through us in amazing ways. And God has definitely been able to work with Susan in amazing ways in the community. Uh, but let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised in North Philadelphia, uh, Puerto Rican. Uh, I had a mother. I have a mother who raised us uh, alone. There were five of us as she raised us. Um, we were we grew up on welfare, receiving cash assistance and um, and also uh, cash assistance and food stamps. I don't know if you guys ever knew the little food stamp booklets. You know, twenty-five dollar thing. Anybody out there know about that? No? Before your time, some of you? All right, good. So um, so we have food stamps, and my mother had to work under the table as well. To uh, She wanted to provide a better life for us than what she could afford to do on with the income that she was receiving. And I'm not saying that that was good or bad. It's just a fact of my life. Uh, with the extra cash that she was earning, she put it towards, towards private school. And we went through private school because the educational system in Philadelphia – um, was well, it's definitely not the best. It's almost like a death sentence. Not only what you encounter and learn as you're there, but also the education itself doesn't really prepare uh, doesn't really prepare us well. So she wanted to to uh, have us in private school, and she did that successfully. Um, but we we encountered a few things growing up. We grew up in poverty. We had. Uh, it seemed like every winter our furnace would break down, so we would sleep on the living room floor and had a little camp-out session pretty much at the beginning of winter um, every year, and we'd camp out in our living room with sleeping bags and really brought our family together. We had the kerosene heater going on in the other room, and it made for very cold mornings. You can see the mist in the air as we breathe, like, hello, hi, just like fog coming out of our mouth. Uh, and then I, I don't know if I had victim written on my forehead, but... I've been mugged several times. I've been mugged about five times, uh, a couple of times at gunpoint. One of the times my friend was shot in the leg, and it was for no apparent reason. Um, so it's, it's a, it, it was the way that I was brought up. But my story is so little compared to so many of the other stories in Philadelphia. Growing up, I didn't have hope for our community. I didn't think that, uh, that it could be any better. I didn't think that God could actually grow it uh, beyond where it is. I didn't realize that I was thinking this way, but I, I definitely was. Leaving the community was the first step to success in my life. That's what I thought. But God had a different plan in my life, and it wasn't until I was 17 years old that I began to understand this. So, uh, is there anybody here that's from Michigan? No way. A Grand Rapids, Michigan? Holland, Michigan? Do you guys know Joe Van Dyke? I know everybody in Michigan kind of knows each other. I'm playing a Dutch relay here. All right, I saw a few hands over here. That's pretty cool. 
So um, this guy named Joe Van Dyke, he came to North Philly and, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. You guys know about that, right? He's an extremely white guy, and he's like, hey, Tony. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting down with Joe on his porch. I'm 17 years old. And he says, so, Tony, when you, when you, grow, you, know, when you grow older, what do you want to do with your life? And my sentence began with, you can tell where my heart was, my sentence began with, well, after I leave Philadelphia, dot, dot, dot. So he stopped me right there. He said, hold on, hold on. Why do you want to leave Philadelphia? There's so much beauty here. And I, he doesn't really talk like that. But um, <laughs> I, I grew, I started putting these barriers up in my mind. I, I was actually very offended that he said that. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy Joel, he moves into our city. He marries a beautiful Puerto Rican woman. And, and uh, everything's going for him. He's probably never even been mugged. Let's see what happens after he gets mugged. Let's see if he's going to say the same thing. Yeah, everything's beautiful around here. But, but he had this confidence to him. He knew that... Deep in his heart, he knew what beauty he was talking about. And he says, Tony, let's walk around the block. So we walk around the block. We walk his dog around the block. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to show me this beauty that he's talking about. And I'm kind of looking for this, this uh, sunflower growing out of the cracks somewhere, and <laughs> this, this object of beauty that he's talking about. But he was referring to people. And he was pointing out. He said, you see, how, you see how everybody's sitting out on their porch? It's not like this everywhere. And I saw that as an ugly thing. I didn't like that. All these people outside. Just go back inside your house, you know. <laughs> but he saw that beautiful. And then I started seeing the beauty in it. And as he walked by, he knew them. And they knew him. And they knew each other's names. And he had relationships with them. And little kids ran up to him. Hey, Joe. Black kids, white kids, Hispanic kids. It was just this beautiful thing going on there. And I, and I said to myself, you know, this is the kind of relationship that I want to have uh, with the people that, that I live around. But I, I didn't have that. So, um... As God continued to change my heart, later on that year, I, I did construction work as I was 17, and I, we went out to this house in the suburbs. We packed up the truck with all the supplies. We drove out there, and I'm thinking we're going to do this big project. And when we arrive at the house, you know, we drive into the driveway. It had a mailbox, grass all around the house, and it was this beautiful house. And I said, this is it. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to raise my children. And we entered the house, and I... Um, and I see the beautiful kitchen, beautiful countertop, bathrooms right there beside the kitchen. I'm saying, this is nice. I can do the dishes, cook dinner, use the bathroom, come back, wash my hands, continue <laughs> cooking. I don't even have to go upstairs for any of this. This is awesome. So uh, I'm all excited, and I'm thinking, okay, so what are we doing? And, I, and I, uh, I, I say to the lady, the owner of the house, and I said to her, this is a beautiful house. And she says, thank you. And my boss was very proud. He says, thanks. I renovated a couple of years back. And I said, okay, so then what are we doing? And he says, well, we're going to do it again. And I looked at the lady, and I said, why? She says, well, because my neighbor renovated her house, so now, recently renovated her house, so now I need to redo mine. And that answer was so shallow to me. And, I, and then it hit me. I said, you know, there is, there's ugliness in Philadelphia, but there's also a different type of ugliness here, the place that I long to live in. And the Lord began to change my heart, especially as I, uh, as I was smashing things in that house, the kitchen that I could never afford, or I thought that I could never afford. And, and I smashed this toilet. And I remember crying as I, as I smashed this toilet because we, our toilet at home was broken, and I really wanted to take that toilet home, but it was mortised into the ground, and the only way to, of taking it out was by smashing it. And I'm thinking, there's nothing wrong with this, and I'm breaking it. So I, I, began, to, um, I began to understand how money does not solve all of our problems. And in fact, it can confuse men into thinking that they can afford to be without God. So I just want to pass it back to Susan. I thought it might be uh, helpful if um, we each came up with a little list of suggestions that we would have for people um, from that are maybe considering 
uh, immersion in our community um, like we are. So I'm going to have my little list of suggestions for um, people who might move in, and then Tony will have his little list of suggestions or thoughts for those who um, are already living in the community. So here are my suggestions. First, um, I'd say, and we heard this last night, come as a learner. Don't come as someone who's doing ministry. I remember I said that. I'm going to go do ministry in North Philly. Well, God was going to do something on me. And it wasn't about me doing ministry. It was about what God's going to do. And so in order to do um, ministry, or to, uh, you have to come as a learner. And you have to just be able to listen. Listen, listen, listen. Um, secondly, find a Tony. Um, find somebody that you can trust in the community. I also have a block captain named George who's helpful for me in this way, that will be really honest with you and that will help you talk through the things that are difficult. Um, it might take some time to find a person like this, but it's the most important gift that you could receive is to find somebody like a Tony. Now, Tony and I have been kind of talking together for years now, a few years, and, you know, sometimes it gets painful, to tell you the truth. He just blurts something out that uh, he doesn't realize that really hurts my feelings, and I'm sure I blurted things out that hurt his feelings, but we know each other well enough that I can sort of say, oh, that, Tony, that's, um, ouch. <laughs> that's all I have to say, something like that, and then he sort of tender, you know, kind of comes more tenderly around that thing, but I know he's going to tell me the truth, and there's just a lot of people that aren't telling outsiders the truth, that's uh, for sure. Third, um, it's all about relationship and not as much about strategy. As I said before, I'm a strategy person. I'm always thinking what's the best way to get things accomplished. But um, almost every other culture than mine understands that it's all about relationship. Um, people like me, task-oriented, um, uh, just try and move on to the next thing. And when we do that, we cut the people out. And, of course, that's the last thing that we would want to do. And so it can actually be hurtful to have too much strategy, in my opinion. Um, I think of God, he, he, you know, if he used his best strategy, he wouldn't use people to do anything, <laughs> right? I mean, me working in North Philly is only slowing him down, I'm sure. But his design for people is that they participate in what he's doing. And so that's his best. His best is that we will be more relational than strategic. Um, I would say to you, if you are thinking of coming in, um, that <clears throat> you're not a hero, and any hint of thinking you're a hero, that you're even hoping to be hiding from the people that you're serving, will be apparent to them, much more apparent than it is to you. So if you go thinking you're going to be a hero, they all know it, and it will be very degrading to them. Because there's more courageous people, there's more committed people in my community than anywhere else I've seen. And so to, to go in and just think that you're the hero is just... It's just demeaning and demoralizing. And when I see people doing that now, I, I just, I hurt inside about that for my community. And to tell you the truth, I'm sure I did that to my community. And people were gracious to me, and I appreciate that. But just the idea of being, I mean, people say that to me all the time. You must be doing great things down there. And it just isn't the way it is. It's, it's the opposite of that, actually. Um, don't take offense if others don't particularly like what you're doing or who you are. Not everyone's going to love you. And um, when that happens, um, do everything you can not to, get a, uh, not to get defensive. As soon as you get defensive and say, well, I didn't do that to you, um, you cut off the relationship and you cut off any more information you're going to get. Um, 
you have to realize that there's years of conflict, there's years of oppression that have gone into a person's attitude toward you. And those years of conflict and oppression have gone into your attitude toward them. And often, if you get, if you start to get close to people, they'll be willing to tell you some of these things. But if you get defensive, it just cuts it off, and um, people won't share with you in that way. So it's hard to do because if you're there a while, um, there'll be times where you're all offending each other. Um, be prepared to, um, or be prepared that you're for the idea that you're going to have to suffer. Um, the community has a lot of pain in it. And um, the closer you get to people and the more you love them, the more the collective pain of the community uh, will affect you. And so uh, it doesn't get better after a while. There's a lot of things that get better after a while because you get to know and understand and love people, but the awkwardness gets better. But what won't get better is the suffering. Um, and I um, would suggest that you pray to God to give you uh, more ability to love, more capacity to love, because that's what it takes. And it's something that we don't have in ourselves to do, but that God can give it to us. And then don't be afraid of suffering, because actually it's in that time of suffering with those um, that are suffering around you in the community that um, you'll see God in a new way. You'll see him in a bigger way. Um, You'll be amazed at um, what you do get to see and do. by entering into the suffering of your community. Um, Suffering and joy go together. So you'll have a lot of suffering, you'll have a lot of joy. And then lastly, I'd say um, be prepared to be very delighted um, to discover discover what the depth of community is. Um, I lived in a community that had, um, you know, detached houses and we had garages and we drive our garage into the we drive our car in the garage and we would close um, the garage door and we go into our house and after living in my community for a while I was visiting my sister and we were doing that I just felt like that was the saddest thing because in my neighborhood when I walk up to my door I get a thousand hellos I get hugs from my kids you know all around the neighborhood and you know we all take care of each other we look in uh, out for each other and um It's a a great joy and one that I think is much more possible and likely um, living in a community like mine. So those are my suggestions. Tony? Thank you, Susan. Um, So I have a few suggestions as well, but I'm concerned. I, I think that there's a little bit of a problem here. Uh, are there any Tonys out there in the audience? Because the suggestions that I have are for the Tonys that are out there in the audience. Are there any people that grew up in the inner city, urban environment out there? Okay, so we have one. So I'm going to look at you the entire time. I don't know if I look at anybody else. But um, this is what I have to say to uh, the Tonys out there in the audience. Well, first of all, let's all envision something together. What if this conference could be made up, half of this conference could be made up of people uh, with my background as well, the very people that you're supposed to be working with, people that have uh, motivated, motivated people uh, that live in the environment that I grew up in. So motivated punks with a uh, bullet-wounded hearts and a PhD in brokenness, people that understand poverty, but it's not by choice. So let's envision this, this uh, conference going on, and it will be a conference on incarnational ministry with both parties present. All right. So this is what I have to say to those people, to the Tonys. It's okay to learn. It's difficult to learn, but it's okay to learn. And when the Susans enter your life, 
take that opportunity to learn. Accept it as a gift from God. There may be a background that she has or the people, those people have that, uh, that could be helpful in our community. So maybe my, um, my neighbors, they, most of my neighbors rent a house, and my, that's just the way I grew up. So if I want to understand mortgages, I might not find that around where I live, but I could uh, get that information from someone like a Susan or maybe financial information or other things that she may bring uh, to the table. And when different people with the, uh, I'm sorry. So remember that that uh, God is at work in this person's life. So this person may at times have a lot of answers to our problems, but this person may at times think that they have all the answers to our problems. So do not be offended, even if this person is coming across offensive. So this person is not your savior. Jesus is your Savior. In fact, Jesus is their Savior. And it's funny to think, what would Jesus look like if he were white, with blonde hair and blue eyes? Right? He probably looks a little bit more like a Puerto Rican with uh, brown hair and brown eyes because he was Jewish. So let's try and envision Jesus as a Jewish person. Right? Um, <laughs> we're not less than. We're not a minority. We're not anything that makes us less than anyone else. There, there aren't uh, majority and minority. Who came up with that anyway? Uh, there aren't white people and then colored people. We have a value. In fact, God created us equal in His eyes. So He's far more concerned about the, not so much the color of your skin, but He's far more concerned about your heart and what you're willing to allow Him to do with it, where you're willing to allow Him to take you. So God has a plan for you. and It might start off as support. You may be put in a position to serve and support. But if you remain as the supporting actor for the rest of your career, for the rest of your life, you're typecasted. That's, who you, that's where you stay. But God is calling us to do much more than that. There's a time to learn. There's a time to lean. And then there's a time to lead. See, God used Jethro to mentor Moses, and then he used Moses to mentor Joshua. God used Jethro to speak into Moses' life uh, there was a time where Moses was leading the people and there, everyone was going to Moses with all of his problems and Jethro said, hey Moses, you know, uh, why don't you try dividing it this way? And they divided into hundreds of thousands to tens of thousands and that information and wisdom and knowledge that he passed on to Moses ended up, I think, becoming into the nations of Israel. But it wasn't in Jethro's place to do that, even though he had that wisdom and knowledge. It was in Moses' place to lead those leaders. And then Moses led the nation of Israel to the promised land. But it wasn't in his place to actually bring them into the promised land. It was in Joshua's place to do that. But what if Joshua would, have, would not have assumed that role of leadership? What if Joshua would have just learned and leaned? But what if Joshua would not have led? Then would they have wandered the desert for another 40 years? And that's what we do. I'm not sure why, but that's what I see a lot of happening in the community. And I'm very guilty of that myself. We... We learn, we lean, but then we don't lead. I'm not sure why that's happening. I think it's not completely our fault. There are a lot of other reasons for that, but um, it's something that I'm, I'm constantly challenging, that God is constantly challenging me with. See, God designed our hearts to flow like a river. It flows and it, it creates and carves valleys and brings life to everything around it, but it's very easy for us to become still and stagnant, uh, like a puddle of water. And we collect bacteria, and then we actually bring harm to the environment around us. And the very thing that God 
that God wanted us to, that God is leading us to fix, it's, it becomes a very thing that, well, we become part of that very same problem. So we must assume the role of leadership. We need to stop doubting ourselves. By, uh, by doubting ourselves, we're doubting God because, or God's purpose for our life. Let me correct myself. And we need to move forwards in confidence. When our confidence is in Him, we will not fail. And the last thing I want to say to the Tonys in the community, through Christ all things are possible. Do not lose faith. God can accomplish great things through us. But whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for man. Thank you. Tony, don't we? Um, I, I would you just have a few more minutes. I, I did kind of want to open it up for um, any questions that you might have for me or for Tony, or any um, reflections or reactions you might have to some of the things that we said. Um, Tony kind of gave you one of his verses, and my um, my life verse of uh, being in the community uh, is um, Philippians three nine and ten, which is I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and somehow to attain to the, uh, to the new life. And um, I found that um, being in the suffering shows me the resurrection, and all of that uh, shows me who Christ is, and uh, it's a gift. So, um, Would anybody have any questions or any comments? Um, so the question was, how did I go about the actual process of moving into the community? The main thing I did was I purchased a house that was about two blocks from my church. And I do think that was a very important strategy because, you know, I'm a strategic person. <laughs> um, but um, it's, it was important because um, I didn't want it to be Susan trying to be at the church. I, I, I wanted to be part of a bigger body of people that was serving God in this community. And because my church was so close by, I could invite people to the church. I could um, um, get my church involved in the uh, lives of my neighbors. And so the church itself had lots of activities that helped me to understand and get to know the community better. Um, so it was, a, yeah, and then, you know, because everybody's outside, it's just, after, it, a lot of it just had to do with living next to one another. And it was easy. Susan, you talked about um, don't be surprised when people you up against resistance. Can you maybe share a little bit more about your experience with that and give encouragement to people that are encountering that? Um, sure. Um, actually, it didn't happen a lot at the beginning um, because I didn't know people very well. <laughs> So maybe I was offending and they were offending, but we, you know, there wasn't any stakes that we were sharing. I know when I first moved in, the first day I was in, um, walked out of my new house, which I was renovating, my neighbor said, oh, hi, did you buy that house? I said, yes. And she goes, oh, are you going to fix it up and sell it? And I thought that seemed like such a strange thing to say, but people like me come, fix up houses, and make a profit off of them. And so that, I mean, she's a very nice person. She's a good friend of mine today. But that would be her first thought, is you're going to um, kind of exploit, in a certain sense, um, the community. 
So um, a couple, several years ago, um, I, we got a grant at Esperanza for this big um, new building, a $6 million grant. And, and we just and I bought some property from the church, so we built an Esperanza at the end of my street. It's really great, a health and wellness center. So when and 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 when it came time to put the grant in, I got over 500 um, um, signatures in like three days of everybody in the community that wanted a health center in the community. They were all excited. Uh, I got invited into the bar across the street. The church lady over here, <laughs> she wants signatures to build a health center, and um, you know everybody signed. So when the money came. Um, I guess I didn't always invite the right people to every meeting. I just didn't said, you know, I said, come on to the meeting. We're going to talk about how to build the new health center. Well, there were people that felt like that money belonged to them and not to me. Why do people like you come into our community and you build buildings and not us? Why didn't you invite me? I'm a leader. But, of course, they're not a leader in a way that I would know that they were the leader. But um, I offended by not inviting the right people. So what I did, because it was pretty bad because it was all, you know, one block from my from where I lived. They all knew where I lived, and they were knocking on my door and, you know, do I hire, you know, enough community people and that sort of thing. Um, I used my Tonys, and I used um, Mr. George, who's my block captain, and I just would talk with him about it. And, and really what happened was he would tell me why there's a feeling that this money belongs to them and not to me. Because I wrote their names in the grant in a certain way. I talked about my community to get the grant. And so they felt like, don't exploit me like my neighbor thought I was going to do with the house. And so he helped me understand that, and then he kind of had my back. He said, just send them to me if you need to. Or And I'd say, well, should I push back on this or shouldn't I push back? Because I wasn't sure which is better to do. And he paused and he goes, I'd push back a little and then come see me. And so it was nice because I felt a protection because of my friendship with my neighbor who had seen and we'd were, you know, we'd lived together for for almost 10 years by then. So it's tricky. But it's good to keep asking questions rather than just say I didn't mean to do anything bad to you. Like that's that's the first thing a person like me would normally say and it's just better to hear and see why that opinion's there. This is my neighbor right here. Great. We have two more questions. Uh, we have a question after that. So, Tony. So my hopes and dreams for the next generation. I would love for Esperanza Health Center. Um, just an example. So, to answer that question, I, I want to explain how I could see that being played out at Esperanza Health Center. And I would love an organization like Esperanza Health Center to, um, to be run by people from the community um, for, for there to be greater leadership, um, for people to, to have a better educational system, well, for us to um, pursue higher levels of education and, and also, uh, if we don't have that, then still for uh, opportunities to be given. I think uh, Esperanza really uh, gave me a lot of opportunity working there. But, yeah, I guess for the community to, in a sense, be run by people from the community, it doesn't mean to exclude people from outside of the community. Um, that, that's a very important part of the process as well. Does that answer your question? Tony? Now, what is your name, by the way? Uh, Daryl. Daryl. Okay. 
I'm sorry, could you repeat that? What's the tension that you personally get from the community that are working with tension? Susan trying to be that bridge? Do I receive tension? Um, I guess... I think at times people... Um, or maybe if it's maybe not Susan exactly, but maybe there's somebody else like Susan. At times, people could look at me if I'm dressed up, you know, ready for work with a tie on, and, um, like if I'm better than them. And it's it's just important for me to to have good relationships with those people, smile and engage, and and let them know that I'm really there to serve them, not to take anything from them. There was somebody that was upset at me once for parking um, on their block, and. Uh, Everybody else is parking on the block, but because I came out, you know, came out with a tie, they felt like I was parking on the block to jump on the train so that I can go down to Center City and do work. But in reality, I was just going right down the street to, to work at the health center that's serving them. Um, so I was indirectly serving them um, if they are patients. But um, those are the types of things that I encounter, and the only thing I could do at that point was respond with the love of Christ and smile and, and um, try and engage with that person and hope that they don't slash my tires, you know. <laughs> Um, I do know when um, Mr. George helped me, uh, he was called some names that he didn't come back and tell me about, but I, you know, could, I heard it from my neighbors, and it was very painful for me. And he didn't come back and put it on me. I mean, not that he, he wouldn't put it on me, but he didn't even share it with me because he didn't want me, my hurt to be added to his hurt. But it, it wasn't really easy for him. And he, he's a um, person who's a leader, a real leader in our neighborhood, so... Um, he could kind of hold that role um, pretty well. So we probably only have a couple more minutes, but yes, quickly. Um, Now there's probably, since Esperanza Health Center is in the neighborhood, I think there's five Esperanza people who live on our street now. One, two, three, four, and extra. Um, There's probably 25 or 30 in the little neighborhood that are... Uh, transplants, maybe even a little bit more. Um, not in my part of the community. Uh, most Spanish speakers, many Spanish speakers also speak English, and then half of the community is African American. But where one of our sites is where Tony grew up, um, many people there only speak uh, only speak English. I mean, only speak Spanish, and so you'd have to know more. Um, Spanish. Oh, if anybody wanted to do a rotation at Esperanza Health Center, they would have to. No Spanish for a rotation. Any other last questions? fear of moving in for the um fortunately for me I felt so strongly called that I didn't let that be my main uh my main concern um I and I did do lots of things I I have an alarm system on my house I did take precautions I had roommates because I I think there's a big thing about being in numbers or at least two people is much safer than one person um I 
think there's a lot that God has to show us in that. I, I, um, yeah, I think the whole thing ended up being a trust in the Lord um, for me. Uh, neighbors really make it um, a lot safer. And I have to say, there is random violence in our community, but I'd say the vast majority of it is violence that comes from being in a place you shouldn't be because you're doing something you shouldn't do. I mean, that, not totally. There's a lot, especially when children get hurt. But um, I think there's a lot that uh, with being uh, having your head up a bit and watching, it's not a guarantee at all. I mean, I think I've... My biggest fear was being fearful, getting too fearful, but I didn't get fearful because God gave me grace. But um, it was it was that. And, you know, when you see things that kind of come close to you, I don't know. Do you have any um, – I know you're from the community, but you would have the same. Yeah, just a, just a quick thought. The, um, the violence that I encountered, I, I was really just a good kid, and, uh, you know, I was, like I said before, a victim in a sense. But um, like you're saying, I believe that it's a faith in God. Uh, there were the times that that things happened to me. I really felt like my life should have been taken. There was the the guy that shot my friend in the leg had the gun at my head for the longest, and then um, and then there was another time where somebody shot at my head and it it went right past me. And I, I don't know if he missed or not, but the clip fell right out of the gun, and I felt like God was involved in that situation. Um, another guy that pulled out a shotgun at me, and it, it, there's just so many stories. But um, I feel like God was protecting me and. I think that he does. Like, if he's calling you, if he's calling anyone to that place, there's a purpose, there's a protection that's going to come with that. And it's really not so bad after you get past the fear factor, it's not so bad. Now, sometimes I walk into a different neighborhood that's in Philadelphia, and I feel that same exact fear that a lot of other people do, and it's maybe three blocks away from my house. So it's, it's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to say? Yes. Um, people help. Yeah, the neighbors help. And then you do start to get a sense for things in your own community. I mean, I remember when I worked in New York, same thing. You you could kind of get a sense of, like, this subway is one I shouldn't get on at this time of night. And So there's a, a lot that you can sort of sense and feel in the community. Um, but, again, I would probably, even though I didn't know other people were doing it, I lived right around the um, church, and I knew church people, and um, my pastor – you know, I, I drove to my Wednesday night prayer meeting that was just two blocks away, which seemed really strange, but at first that's what I did, and he was like, that's a good thing to do for now, you know. And so I think, like everything in life, you learn what, what kind of things are good to, you know, avoid, and you do need to be wise, but you don't have to be afraid. So um, if, one last question. Yes, we well since also since you have to speak Spanish to work with our patients, a lot of people a lot of the jobs uh, do go to people in the community. Um, for any uh, providers that come, if they don't speak Spanish, we send them to immersion in um, a Latin American country for two or three months, and. Um, it's a long-term commitment. And so we now have a good number of people from the community who have 
um, moved into fr- frontline um, supervising, and then some of them have moved up to managing sites. And so it's, it's, a, it's a generational commitment, but it's one that I definitely want to be totally committed to forever. And, you know, I hope that someday somebody like Tony will be up here talking to you as the director of Esperanza Health Center. So one last question, and then, then this will have to be the very last one, sorry. Um, reimbursements for Medicare and Medicaid, and then we are a federally qualified health center, so we do get uh, other grants and opportunities for other grants. Um, there's a sliding fee scale for uninsured people, and it goes down to $7, I think. So it's um, not a barrier to care. Let me just um, close this in quick, quickly in prayer here. God, um, I thank you that you've been here with us, and I um, just, just pray for anybody whose heart might be stirred um, to continue to ask you about uh, possibly living cross-culturally in um, an urban um, setting. God, thank you for Tony. Thank you for his honesty with us today. Uh, Would you raise up more Tonys, Lord, um, both in Philadelphia and around around the United States? God, we need... um, we need leadership that understands and knows our communities. We, we need leadership that um, has grown from um, a, a background in history that you've given um, uh, that produces beautiful people like Tony. And so we ask, Father, that you would uh, make that possible in more and more cities and make it possible at Esperanza. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.